Hello, and welcome to Insurance Insights, a podcast from Capgemini Financial Services that looks at the latest trends in the insurance industry through the lens of some of its leading experts. I'm Mary Ellen Harn, and this episode continues our discussion on the findings of the World Quality Report with our colleagues from MicroFocus. Today, we'll talk about the what and why of quality engineering in DevOps and explore how the journey of QE in DevOps is practical and achievable. In this episode, I'm joined by Jason Benfield, who is the Director of Product Management at MicroFocus, and Panchal Barwa, who is a Director with Capgemini's Financial Services Technology Practice. We'll welcome Jason and Panchal. Jason, can you start by telling us a bit about yourself and MicroFocus? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for the introduction. I am responsible for a lot of our DevOps strategy at MicroFocus. And MicroFocus is a very large software company that does everything from DevOps to security to operations management and uh, even mainframe modernization. Well, thank you. Panchal, can you share a bit about what you do at Capgemini? Sure, Mary Ellen. My name is Panchal Barwa, and I'm a DevOps architect with Capgemini. I spend most of my time actually helping customers accelerate their quality engineering transformation journey. Well, thank you, Jason and Panchal, for sharing your expertise with us. And let's just get right into the discussion. So starting with, what are the challenges that DevOps is facing? Jason, let's start with you. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. There's a lot of things going on with DevOps. It's a very broad term. So I think part of that answer depends on where companies are at in their DevOps journey and their DevOps transformation. I'd say at the start, you start with kind of the challenge of trying to get your development teams operating in a more agile way, breaking things down into scripts, trying to get the, the, the BRD or business requirements document presented by the business broken into chunks and it chunks and decomposing those into user stories and really just operating uh, in a sprint-based fashion. But from that, I think what becomes the big bottleneck and the big challenge is quality. I think traditionally, most organizations have done a lot of their testing in a manual fashion. And as the pace of development speeds up and we switch to these two-week release cycles, quality teams just really can't keep up with that pace of development. And so you end up with a situation where you're either having to cut corners in your test cycle and you have really low quality or your sprint time gets really extended out. So I think quality really becomes the big challenge. And that's why you see so much investment today in terms of automation. Thank you, Jason. Now, turning to Panchal, can you tell us what QE and DevOps is and whether it exists or not? And how does it differ from QA? Sure, Mary Ellen. Every time you know I get into a conversation, whether QA exists or not, I have a smile on my face. And the fact is that the function of quality is here to stay. And it's even more prevalent in today's ecosystem to support the business resiliencies with the ever-changing technology landscape than it was a few years ago, actually. You know, but however, like how even Jason was implying here, the, the approach to QA has substantially shifted. It's shifted from a quality assurance function to be a more asset-based quality engineering function. What essentially it means is that we are no longer focused on testing applications 
per se, but more focused on developing and creating assets, be it automation, be it your test data assets, or even your environment assets that enable quality from the get-go. And it really solves your problem for continuous integration within a DevOps pipeline. And as we look at this, right, in my experience, what I have seen is when I, for an insurance client specifically, we, ha- we actually developed what we call it a new quality engineering architecture, which evolved in three ways. Uh, the first one was how the QA function was restructured. That means, as Jason was implying to, QA now is being embedded within the release trains. And, and quality is happening right at the user story level. Along with it, what we have enabled is what we call as the systems team, which as a horizontal function, which supports the different release trains to provide continuous integration across the different assets layer. And the second aspect of this is how we have adopted technology to support the DevOps pipeline. And when you think of it, you you have to start designing your automation assets in a much smaller, modular manner which then needs to be scaled into, to be integrated into a, something like a pipeline so that it, it can be executed much faster. And for example, we have actually used tools like MicroFocus's UFT1 to support generating automation access, assets across the entire layer of technology and actually integrated them using, by stringing them together to have an end-to-end business flow. And thirdly, what we have looked at is actually uh, what Capgemini has is called as the, an automation drive framework, which looks at reskilling your entire QA workforce to be more focused on quality engineering skills, as well as more advanced, what we call as software development engineers at test, which basically is a pool of resources that focuses more on creating utilities, frameworks that support release strains to run much faster. So in a nutshell, testing is not going away. It's just a change in the game to support continuous integration. Let's talk about who is involved in testing in a DevOps model and what are the primary challenges to adopting QE and DevOps? Yeah, so as, as Pinchal was saying, we're starting to, to shift left and do our testing earlier in the cycle. And I think that's part of what kind of differentiates the concept of QA compared to QE, right? You're starting to get your developers really engaged in the testing cycle early on. So when you're talking about the different personas that are involved, you have developers involved now. You need your traditional quality engineers as well, because I myself, I was a former developer and I was just absolutely horrible at testing my own code. It always worked the way I wanted it to. So it was always great to bring in some other people with a different perspective are really going to be guided by requirements when executing their tests. So you need those quality professionals to come in and do a job. And then the third persona that we see involved in testing is the business tester for user acceptance testing. Now, when you have all these three personas involved in testing, one of the challenges is how do we make the most use out of our testing assets? And that's where I think having the ability for developers to be able to write tests within their IDE, to be able to pass those over to quality engineers to extend those automated tests, and then to allow those automated tests to also actually be incorporated quite easily 
within the uh, practices of the business. And that's where things like automated intelligence that allow your scripts to be more maintainable over time and natural language processing so that business users can actually write tests. Those types of technologies become incredible. It sounds very apparent that they are given the different perspectives that they all bring. Thank you, Jason. It's really interesting to hear how all of these different aspects come together and into an integrated way of developing testing in a DevOps model. So let's switch gears now. One topic that consistently comes up when talking about QE and DevOps is different archetypes. Panchal, can you provide more detail on what they are and how they are implemented in projects? Yes, Mary Ellen. We have typically seen that there's different technology landscape within the same organization and which possesses different challenges to maintain the same level of consistency and throughput across the organization. And DevOps pipelines do differ by archetype, be it a .NET or a Java or even a mainframe uh, pipeline that has been uh, recently been established within organizations. And these differences become more evident if you start looking at how release cycles are executed. And, and if you look at something of a uh, for a monolithic application, which requires an entire release to be planned uh, versus a microservice-based architecture, which is which we can potentially release on demand, this difference about how we support the right quality engineering practices for these different archetypes is even more important. And for the different types of archetypes, we use different automation strategies. Some of them require us to be more focused on APIs versus some of them require us to be more focused on a combination of front-end and back-end. For example, for a financial services customer, we actually did an enterprise-wide study to understand how different technologies and archetypes um, are used to develop a customized quality engineering uh, approach in terms of how it can be enabled, how processes can be set up, and how technology can be used to support the different pipelines. And one of the important things we did as part of that was what we implemented is called as a DevOps Dojo framework. And if you know what Dojo is, basically in Japanese, it means an immersive practical learning mechanism. It was used to implement and train projects to be successful on their own DevOps journey. And we provided them with the tools, the processes, and the training. And then they were able to run with it. and They were able to create their own assets into the pipeline. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting when you're talking about these archetypes and it, not only do they work differently individually, but in a lot of cases, they have to be tied together, right? Like in an essay, I'm thinking about an SAP environment at a large enterprise, you've got the SAP ecosystem itself, but then on the front end, it's tied into their websites and their, their mobile applications on the back end. It's touching into the mainframe, but we want to be able to all modernize each of those pieces. So I, I think the experience that Capgemini bring to the table is phenomenal in that regard and, and how you guys have figured out how to make these different ecosystems interact. And on the microfocus side, obviously, with a lot of our solutions, because we support such a broad width of technologies, a broad width of technologies, we're able to be involved in testing efforts across each of those ecosystems. Thank you, Jason. So turning back to quality practices can vary from project to project and from environment to environment. Jason, can you tell us how does the DevOps pipeline change 
based on the variation in testing, or does it really change? Yeah, it, it completely changes. <laughs> I think I think Punchal talked about how it can change based on the different applications that you're trying to test, but it's also about what industry you're in as well. So if you're a if you're a startup company and you're just trying to develop a, a website or a mobile application, you're going to be free flowing, right? You don't want a lot of processes that are are too well defined. You want to be able to be very agile, very quick, very DevOps. You are executing a sprint, you're immediately pushing that stuff after you're testing out to production, launching it, getting feedback, making adjustments, and it's a continuous process. It's really quick. In other cases, even though you might be in, in a highly regulated industry, banking, insurance, you're going to have a more well-defined practice, which can still be agile. You can still be in it, moving in two-week or one-month sprint cycles. You just have to have all of your processes well-documented. You have to have well-documented stages. So it's important that you're using tools that support the ability to be free-flowing in some cases, and in other cases, actually support well-defined workflows and e-signature sign-offs and and that sort of thing to to support compliance and and auditing processes. Thank you, Jason. Panchal, do you have anything you'd like to add? Ellen, I agree with what Jason was reflecting there. And just to add on to it, the teams that we have that support these continuous integrations, specifically coming out of the systems team, is actually able to take these different variations that that we have in different archetypes to combine them into a true end-to-end test case or an execution from a business perspective and be able to successfully certify releases. And that's something which is an important function that comes into play as we look at different technology across different DevOps pipelines. Going back to the recent World Quality Report, it indicates that technology is the largest impediment to DevOps adoption. Executive support comes in at second, and operational business priorities are coming in at third. Is this true for our insurance clients, or is the order in reverse? Panchal, what are you seeing out there and with your experience? I believe it's actually in the reverse order. Having the right priorities from an operational and business aspects, along with executive support is actually going to define how successfully a DevOps journey has been to remove the technical depths created in the ecosystem. And in my experience as a practitioner, I've seen the agile release trains who carve out time through innovation sprints as part of their program increments have been successful in having a focused DevOps adoption backlog, which benefits them in in the long run, both in terms of speed as well as quality. And and technology impediments are always there, be it DevOps or otherwise. But it's how you focus on the right attention to overcome them has been the key. My gosh, if we are seeing financial customers focused on mainframe DevOps nowadays, and even virtualizing test data on a mainframe application to help them achieve parallelism and faster time to market. Thank you, Pancha. Jason, your thoughts now. Yeah, I, I actually totally agree. What I see uh, happening in a lot of organizations is they do try to address the technology first and they focus on that aspect of DevOps. And, and what happens is that the early adopters within a, a insurance firm, 
will be the mobile app group, the web testing group, and they've got a lot more flexibility in how they operate. And so the technology ecosystem that they set up ends up being very specific to their needs. And so when your SAP team or your mainframe team wants to be able to modernize, they look at what's already in place from a DevOps perspective and they say, yeah, we can't do that. doesn't fit our needs. When it's a top-down approach and it's driven by executives, it's driven by the business, it allows you to be able to set something in place across the organization that's actually going to work for everybody and address the different needs that that mobile team doesn't need the same level of approvals as your SAP team does when they move from stage gate to stage gate. So Jason, would can you tell us whether DevOps is an end game in itself or is there something that's coming next? And are we actually eliminating the need for testers through the adoption of DevOps? That is an awesome question. And the answer to the last one is absolutely no. <laughs> we're, we're always going to need testers. Like I, need, I, I mentioned before, I, I was a developer in the past. I was an awful tester. There's a reason why you have testers and you have developers. We absolutely want developers to be more engaged in testing their code. But at the end of the day, someone needs to treat that code like a kind of a, a black box and be able to test it according to the requirements. We're always going to have that need within the organization. Now that said, we're going to have a lot of tools that help us out. Things like AI will help the scripts be more maintainable. Developments like natural language processing allow us to be able to develop those scripts easierly, easier and more quickly. So I, I, I think that we're going to make the, the job of the tester more efficient and help them be more effective. But the testers absolutely going to be necessary. As for DevOps being the end game, I, I think you're going to end up completing the circle. And, and that's the part that people haven't really gotten to yet. I think we started out with making development more agile. And then we invest in automation and get quality improved and get it moving forward. And then you're tying the operation space back into business and you're making the business more aware of some of the changes in customer behavior and market behavior so that they can make quicker decisions and feed that down into development. So I think the next thing that you're going to see is actually a, a wider adoption of scaled agile framework, safe, dad, less, Spotify, and the ability to pump business, the, the operations data back into the business to make better decisions. It's something that we've been talking about for a while, but I think that's the next stage that, that you're going to see organizations double down into. Well, thank you, Jason. Panchal, do you have anything you'd like to add? I would, I would concur with what Jason just said. I mean, what I've seen is in an immature DevOps ecosystem, customers have started looking at ways in which more efficiencies can be brought into the pipeline through something like an AI, uh, AI or an analytics, or even through something like an SRE initiatives. But I think what really strikes out is what Jason was also referring to is the feedback loop, right? Can, how can we make the feedback loop more efficient and quicker to get to get immediate feedback from our business partners and also provide them with feedback in terms of how our releases are going. 
And with that feedback loop, what we see as the next evolution is how do we start tracking to the business metrics and KPIs that the IT organizations could potentially be held accountable for. Well, thank you, Panchal. And thank you, Jason, as well, for joining me in this podcast. It's certainly been an interesting and thought-provoking discussion. To our listeners, if you found this podcast interesting, please subscribe to Capgemini's Insurance Insights Podcast on Spotify, Apple, or other podcast apps. For more testing-related insights, please subscribe to our Banking, Payments, and Wealth Spotlight podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by Capgemini Financial Services. Thanks for listening.